Welcome. You're on the air. Thanks, Oren. This is Kari Peterson with the Petersburg Public Library, and I'm here today with um, Christina Sargent. And so welcome to Homegrown Conversations, um, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Um, yes, today's topic is worm composting or vermiculture. So, and I have Christina here. And for those of you, Christina has been on our show a couple of times, but Christina is um, the garden coordinator for the school district and maintains and does the education for the schools for the community garden. Um, so welcome, Christina. Good morning. Um, yeah, I'm excited today to talk about uh, worm composting and uh, vermiculture is um, always a fun topic and uh, for a lot of different reasons, it's it's a great uh, garden resource, and it's in fun insects and critters, and it's a it's a fun activity to do with the kids. They always like looking at the worms and all the insects. So, um, a, a common question or that people kind of wonder about sometimes is just you know what what is vermiculture and um, how does it differ from regular composting, I guess. Um, and so it pretty much, it just means using worms to break down food waste, scraps, garden waste, um, really any organic material. And then what comes out the other end of the worm um, is what they call the vermicompost or worm compost. And that's the, a lot of people sort of refer to it as black gold for, for the garden. It's a really great nutrient resource. <laughs> Yes, and it looks just like dirt, so you don't even know that you're touching it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can get technical and call it fracas, which essentially means, uh, you know, worm uh, um, worm poop, I, I guess. So, and it, it's it's fun to to do that with the kids and kind of discuss what it is and see their reaction. And some of them are like, "Do you know what you're holding?" And you get, you know, the the 10 year old boys who are just, you know, love to make jokes about it. <laughs> and you get uh, some of the kids that are like, Oh, what? I can't touch that. And it's, it's pretty entertaining. Yes. I, I remember one summer at the library, we did a whole summer just on worms and we had little worm experience experiments every week. And, it was a lot of <laughs> that would be fun. There's a lot of a lot of neat things that you can do with worms and learn about worms and there's so many different types and Yeah. So um can you tell us a little bit um how would you get started with worm composting? Okay. Well, there, there actually can be really simple or it can be really complex, depending on how, how difficult you want to make it. But essentially, the first thing you need to do is some kind of container to keep the worms in. And there are a ton of different commercial containers you can buy, different sizes and shapes. Um, but you can also just put them in a pile. Um, a, wooden, a lot of people do just simple wooden boxes. Um, anything that you can add the organic material to and keep out the light could be a worm bin. It does need to have some drainage so it doesn't um, get wet and sit in and mold essentially. Yeah. Um, but really common 
method to make your own is to use two of like the Rubbermaid totes and you punch holes in one of them to allow it to drain into the second, the bottom one, and you kind of stack them together and your worms and all the bedding and things go in the top. And then most people add a few air vents around the top as well if you're going to use something plastic because they do need to have some air movement and breathing in there. And there's um, there's a ton of like videos on YouTube and different places for how to make those homemade worm bins from um, the Rubbermaid totes. There's actually, and we'll link it onto our podcast site and the library webpage. You can find it on there. There's a, it's actually an EPA page that's talking about how to make earthworm bins, and that's a real nice, simple um, page that you can go to if you want to see pictures and, and descriptions on on how to make them. And that's actually just like um, www.epa.gov slash recycle. And then there'll be a link on there to earthworm bins. Okay. And just so people are aware too, um, we do record this show now and it is on the Petersburg's, uh, Petersburg Public Library's web, web page. And... Um, on there, we will list all of the resources that Christina is talking about today, and that will be up by Monday. So you can go there and, and find all the resources that she's talking about today. Yeah. And there'll also be a couple of links on that um, page to, to a few commercial sites that um, I've worked with or liked in the past that you can buy the worms and the containers from. Um, there's a, the worm factory is a really, really common um, worm container that's a commercial system that has a series of trays and you see it everywhere I think I've even seen the hardware store here sell it before um, but almost all garden centers you know Amazon um, online everywhere has the worm factory containers and you can get them in a couple different sizes but they're pretty small um, which is good and bad depending on you know if you have a huge amount of garden waste and you're wanting to compost a lot of that, the, something like the worm factory bin would be too small. If you just have, you know, a cup or two of vegetable table scraps from your cooking and that's all you want to do with, then that's a great size. Um, that is nice because it has multiple trays and, and it has the little drain spout where you can collect the, uh, the leachate and the drain off of it as well. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, that's your first step is just to figure out how you're going to keep it and where you're going to keep it. Um, some people actually do keep them indoors, even like underneath your sink inside or in a garage. You can do that with some of the small containers or even just the Rubbermaid containers. Um, and then you can throw your kitchen scraps just right directly into the container um, as you're cooking. That can be nice. Uh, usually they're pretty self-contained, so you don't have to worry about the worms getting out and going exploring too much. Yeah. And then the next thing is they need some kind of um, bedding material to live in. And most people use shredded newspaper as the starting material. You can also use like dried leaves. Um, you could use some wood chips, but they tend to not be the best material, but really just shredded newspaper or shredded like construction paper, um, even like printer paper, as long as it's not glossy will make great material. Um, at the school, we just get lots of shredded material from the office. And, you know, I'm sure like it, it, it's not hard to find shredded material from various um, offices and things. So you just, you just start off with uh, putting maybe six to eight inches of that bedding material in your container. Again, depends on how big it is. If you have one of the small earthworm factories, you only need, you know, an inch or so. But if you're doing a big outdoor system then you need need more and you just want to wet that down and get it damp you kind of want it to be not soaking wet if you squeeze it you know you don't want a lot of water to come out of it but you want it to feel damp 
And, um, and then from there, you need the worms. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, so a lot of people I get questions about, well, can I just dig up some worms from my garden and throw them in there? Will that work? And the answer is yes and no. Those worms that you typically find in the garden are usually night crawlers, and they're adapted to tunnel through the dirt and eat more of the like microorganisms and very small materials in the dirt. And they also tend to like to be a little bit deeper and darker. And so when you put them in an earthworm bin, they tend to try to escape and get out and they don't break down the food as quickly. Um, so what you really want is called red wrigglers and they're, um, they're, they look just like a regular earthworm, but they're a little bit smaller and they probably are a little, maybe a little bit more red rather than the kind of livery pink color that earthworms are. But they, um, those particular types of worms are adapted to live in the surface of the soil and like that interface between the soil and like the leaf litter that what you would find in forests. And they also are adapted to eat more of that leaf litter and those sort of um, decaying materials on the surface of the ground. And so they do better in an earthworm bin because that's what you're trying to get them to do. You're trying to get them to eat those scraps of like food scraps or leaf scraps and things from the garden and so they they eat them faster it's more of their food source and they're because they live closer to the surface they're not um they don't have the instinct to tunnel quite like earthworms do and so they are happier living in just like a, a leaf or a paper bedding system than the regular night crawlers are so, um, so the answer is it's probably best to find actual composting worms. And, you know, again, you can actually order them and just have them shipped to you um, through the mail. They usually come like if you've ever bought worms for fishing, you know, a little, a little, a little bucket of worms with some dirt in them and they'll survive in that plenty of time for shipping. So it's, it's pretty easy to get. Um, it also, you know, there are a handful of people I know of around town that have earthworm bins, including the ones at the school. And it's usually not hard to, um, just ask for a handful of worms from someone else's bin and that'll get you started, especially if you're just doing a small bin. You don't need a lot of worms to get started. If you wanted to do like a big um, garden bin, then it might be worth ordering them so you can just order like a thousand of them to get you get you going. Yeah. Now, see, I have I have some big willow trees in my backyard and every spring when I rake the leaves, um, the leftover leaves there's always big worms underneath that leaf yeah. litter and I always take those ones and put them in my bin yeah so th those are most likely um the night crawlers and again they'll they'll live in there and they may do some help but they're not the ideal species yeah but I know what you're talking about that the red the the red wrigglers they um they compost the actual food a lot quicker than the ones that I pull out of my backyard. Yeah. Much and the ones that you come out from your garden, they actually do need um, some dirt to survive. And even the red wrigglers, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of um, like sand or grit in there in their system that helps them break down the food. And so, yeah, adding um, a couple of scoops of soil, like just sprinkling some dirt over the bin every now and again is not a bad idea just to, Keep if you have the European crawlers in there, it helps them. And then the red wrigglers, like I said, they a little bit of that grit kind of does help them break down the, the food. 
Yes. I remember learning that with the kids that that's how the, the worms actually break down that food in their gut is with the sand. Yeah. They yeah. use that like rough material and kind of use as a, as a grinding stone a little bit, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's take a short break. Um, if you're just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today we are talking with Christina Sargent about worm composting or vermiculture. So, um, you have worm compost bins as part of the school garden. Can you tell us about that system? It's very yeah, so it's- <laughs> yeah, so up at the school, um, when they started the school garden program a number of years ago, um, <clears throat> a handful of the teachers and volunteers um, got together and put together a, a really nice worm composting system. And it is a commercial system. So we have three large barrels up there, and each barrel is probably somewhere, I, I think there may be 80 gallon barrels, something like that. So they hold a pretty large volume of scraps and food. You're calling it a barrel and it is, but how many feet across is this barrel? It's like, oh, it's three feet, probably. Yeah. It's two and a half to three. Yeah. It's maybe 30 inches somewhere. I don't remember exactly, but it's, yeah. And then they sit like chest high. And then like I said, they're like maybe 30 inches or so around um the big green barrels and if you're up at the school there they sit outside of the cafeteria on the elementary school the far side of the school there and they that's where we put them because they actually compost um all the waste scrap from the food system so they bring out all of the scraps from the cafeteria put them in there for the worms and put them in there for the worms (laughs) and then we also um, add garden scraps as well to that, depending on how much you know weeding we've done and if if they need extra food. And then, like there's three barrels there, and and that just barely keeps up with the the waste from the school program. Um, it does really well during the summer and even into the fall and, and early spring when it's warmer out. And then as it gets cold, the worms actually slow down with the temperature. And so we do have actually have a couple of little small heating systems we put in there to keep it warm enough from freezing all winter long, but it doesn't warm it up, you know, to room temperature or to warmer temperatures. So the worms do kind of slow down in the winter. So we have to be, you have to be a little careful if you have an outdoor worm bin. If it freezes solid, you of course will kill the worms. Um, and so you want to keep it someplace that you can either keep it slightly heated or keep it from completely freezing solid all the way through to the center. Like sometimes if you have them setting on the ground and then you can insulate a little bit around it, that's enough to keep them. The worms won't eat a lot during the winter. They'll be really slow when they're cold, but they'll survive. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then, so we have the kids come out and look at the worm bins um, a lot as part of that system as well. Um, but it's primarily like fed by the staff from the cafeteria and myself. And so there's a, I remember there's a big crank on it and underneath is where you can pull in all the the black gold. Yeah. So um, that's, that's exactly right. That's these commercial systems um, about two thirds of the way down the barrel is a, a screen. And on the bottom of that screen, there are a couple of, 
um, they're kind of they're kind of like blades, but not super sharp. And you crank from the outside, and those blades kind of shift 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 back and forth across the screen, and that forces the material to drop down below the screen. And then there's a just a catchment in the bottom um, with a little door on the side, and then that's all that vermiculture, the, the black gold drops down to the bottom there, and we can scoop it out and add it into the garden. Um, and the different systems have different ways of harvesting that. But um, we can talk a little bit about that more later as well. Um, what do the students think of the worm bins? Oh, they love them. It's, it is one of the favorite activities we do at the school. They um, love looking in there and just scooping through, trying to find the worms. We uh, And there's, there's generally a lot of other insects that over time come into the worm bins as well. So you get like a lot of beetle larvae. Um, here we get a lot of slugs and snails, unfortunately, which is... Not the greatest thing to have because you can sometimes get those eggs that drop down with the vermiculture as well. Um, but you, you can't completely avoid yeah, them, and unfortunately. The look a lot like the worm eggs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that one of the things we actually look for really with the students. Um, trying to, the, they can, we can find and pick out what the different eggs look like, looking for worm eggs in there, looking for the slug eggs, um, a beetles. We kind of get a lot of different beetles in there, including the beetle larvae. So you get different kinds of little wiggling uh, pupae of various things in there. Um, again, with flies, sometimes even like some of the fly maggots. Um, different, you do sometimes get these little, um, they're called like white worms or another kind of small species of worm. Um, there is actually a really great resource for um, looking at different types of insects and what they, that you might commonly find in earthworm bins. And again, it'll be um, linked on our site, but it's happydranch.com. And then if you, if you go through their um, resources page, there's a PDF on there of just pictures and descriptions of all the different kind of bugs that you might find in an earthworm bin. So um, it is from a, a southern location. So there are several bugs on there that we just don't get here. Um, but there is a lot of them that are here as well. So that's a great resource if you wanted to just look around and identify some insects with the kids. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit more about those little white worms? Because it's, I, I've seen those a lot in the worm bins and some of them, I wonder if they're baby worms. And then some of them, I wonder if they're like an invasive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the answer is there's probably some of both. So the little baby red, red wiggler worms are fairly translucent when they're small. They might have a little bit of a pink tinge to them, but they do kind of look um, pretty clear. And, um, but the white worms, but the, the red wigglers will still have those like little segmented sections like an earthworm does. Even, even when they're really tiny, you can kind of still see that, they'll, the striations in them. The white worms tend to be a little bit smoother and they tend to actually be more white than actually clear, if that makes sense. Um, they, they are a little bit translucent. Um, and they're, they're just another species of worm. And I actually don't really know where they come from or how they get into the worm bins, but they seem to commonly migrate into them. It, um, and I assume it's, it's just a species that is around in the environment, in the soil, and maybe they're coming in on the food scraps. Um, like I said, I don't actually know how they get, get in there, but I know they commonly do. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had them. They eventually show up in all of my worm bins. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't think they're like invasive and harmful as far as having them around. Um, so it's not it's not a problem. You don't have to worry about trying to get them out or anything like that. Okay. Um, so how do you harvest the finished compost? Okay, so like uh, like I was saying earlier, on some of the commercial systems, they have various kind of screens and cranks and things that you can use to harvest them. Other systems, like the worm factory one that I said that was really popular, is a tray system. And um, and the little Rubbermaid tote is sort of a modified tray system, too. And what you essentially do is they suggest you put your bedding and your worms in the bottom tray and feed that one for a couple of weeks or a month or two, depending on how much scraps you are. And then when that one starts to fill up, you add the second tray on top of it, um, put new fresh bedding and stop feeding the bottom tray and start putting all your scraps into that second tray. And then what will happen is the worms will just migrate up through the holes in the tray and into the second tray to look for food. And eventually all the worms are sort of um, crawl up into the second tray and the bottom tray will be empty. And usually the systems have like three or four trays so you can keep stacking them. And then the idea is the bottom tray should have all the decomposed food in it and the, that turns into the vermiculture and the worms should have migrated up into the higher trays. And so then you can just pull out that tray and add that vermicompost um, to your garden bin or put it uh, aside. If you're doing just like a Rubbermaid tote um, system or a wooden box system. Um, one of the easiest ways is to literally just dump that whole system because probably what you're going to end up with is the completed vermicompost is going to be on the bottom and then you're going to have your food scraps and your uncomposted and uneaten stuff at the top. Um, and you don't really want that. You just want the finished product from the bottom. So if you just lay out like a tarp and dump the whole bin upside down, then that finished product will now be on the top of the pile that you just dumped out and you can just kind of brush it off. Um, the other thing is the worms don't like sunlight. And so when you do that, he suggests that you like dump it out on the tarp and then you'll see there'll be worms everywhere throughout it. But if you wait, you know, 15 minutes or a half hour or something, the worms will crawl back into the center of the pile. They'll be trying to escape from the sunlight. So then you can kind of scrape off the top surface of the pile. And then if you start to get down to where you're still seeing worms in it again, but you, there's still more of the finished, the real nice black vermicompost, then you can wait another half hour or so, let the worms crawl further into the center to get away from the light and kind of scrape off the next layer. Um, so that's a that's a really simple way to get them without keeping all the worms on the inside. Um, the other thing people sometimes do, especially in like larger systems, um, if you have a, you, to just take a section of your bin. So maybe you'll have the left side of the bin and you feed all your scraps and everything into that side. And then um, as that side sort of fills up, you start kind of moving over. So maybe then you'll start doing all your scraps in the center of the bin and feeding it from there. And then when that kind of starts filling up, maybe you'll move all the way to the right side and start feeding on there. And then by then, most of the worms will be on the right side of your bin. So then you can go in and just you know, take a little garden shovel and scoop out the things from the first left side of the bin. Um, so those are kind of some different ways. And, and people also don't worry about getting some of the worms. If you're harvesting and you get a handful of the worms out, you know, they're, they're constantly breeding in these systems and rep replacing themselves. It only takes about three weeks for the earthworm life cycle. So if you remove some of the worms from the bin, you'll have new ones that are coming in and breeding. So it's not a big deal. And if uh, you end up with some of those worms getting taken out to the garden. 
<laughs> That's a perfect place for them. So I guess we'll have one last question. Um, how much vermiculture can you, well, how much of the, the black gold is safe to put on the plant? Do you put it directly on the plant? Do you, um, with, and can you burn the plant? Yeah, no. So it is actually one of the reasons the gardeners love it so much is it's not as nitrogen rich as something like, you know, um, chicken bedding and things like that that other people compost. So it's completely safe to use right for the plants. In fact, a lot of people like to just start their seedlings in 100% vermicompost, just pure pure compost and that it's perfectly safe for doing that. Um, Most people mix it in, you know, and again, like your ratio just sort of depends on, on what you want, but you could, you could put everything from a hundred percent vermicompost to, you know, maybe 10% um, and it won't hurt the plants at all. And it's great to, usually at the school, I mix it in maybe, I don't know, maybe 20% ratio. So it depends on um, with the compost and put that, and the dirt when I'm making up fresh pots to do like all the potted things in the greenhouse in the spring. And then throughout the season, especially kind of like now when a lot of like the tomatoes and cucumber plants and things like that are really starting to put on fruit and they're using a lot of nutrients. It's nice to just take handfuls of that compost and sprinkle it around the soil in in the pots and in the um, containers and even on the outside garden a little bit. I don't do it as much there. I tend to use a lot of it in the, um, high nutrient plants inside the greenhouse, but you can you can just put it on the surface of the soil for any plants, and it'll it'll kind of break down and filter down into the root system, and it's a great little nutrient boost for them throughout the year. Oh, nice. Well, thank you, and so thank you for joining us today. Um, and so Christina has put together a wonderful list of resources that will be available at www.psglib.org. And if you click on the podcast, um, we will have that up by Monday, um, along with the recording of today's show for anyone who would like to explore worm composting further. Uh, and just a quick little plug, there's a great book that we actually have at the library that is called Worms Eat My Garbage. And it's kind of a classic book about the earthworm composting system and how it works and how to set one up. And um, I recommend coming into the library and checking it out if you're interested in the system. And I will say there's a lot of books in the juvenile section too on worms. And um, it's a lot of fun to get. It's a it's a great project to do with kids just to get the worms and even identify what, what is the head and what is the tail and, um, yeah, like kids seem to love worms and that's one of the things that we're looking at them and identifying them and identifying their parts and just watching how they move, doing worm races. Um, there's all kinds of really great things. There's lots of fun stuff to do with them. Um, never a dull moment. (laughs) Well, Thank you again for joining us today, and um, we'll be back next week with a, with a new topic. And thank you to KFSK for, for making this possible.